I'm Kathy Ryan here in British Columbia, Canada, and this is Interdisciplinary. And I'm Cal Cates, Executive Director of Heal Well, where we make massage therapy matter. Interdisciplinary is actually Heal Well's healthcare podcast, and uh, massage therapy educators, practitioners, and positive deviants, Kathy Ryan and myself, we use research, science, experience, and humor to explore the broad landscape of healthcare through a truly interdisciplinary lens. You'll always learn something, you'll always laugh, and you'll come away better informed and with real things you can do in your own community and practice to create a more compassionate and collaborative system of care for all humans. We also like to start with a little bit of a pun. Uh, so I've got a good one here for you guys today. It um, It's not medical at all in nature, but um, funny nonetheless. What do you get when you throw a hand grenade on the kitchen floor? Linoleum blown apart. <laughs> right? It takes a minute. <laughs> oh. Right, right. Um, so, ba chi uh, I have to I have to credit Rebecca Sturgeon actually for that one. She recently shared it in a group I was in, and I was like, "That is genius! How have I never heard that before?" <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Kathy, what's happening uh, up in British Columbia? Over in British Columbia. Well, you know, um, like a lot of places in the world, numbers are up and people are concerned, and I'm doing my best to stay masked and stay healthy and stay away from people, except when I'm working. Then I have to get close to people, but they have a mask on too. It's true. Excellent. Yeah, same same here. Numbers continue to rise. Um, certainly more people are getting vaccinated, uh, so that's great. But uh, I was also, I was listening to a, a story yesterday about um, particular communities that are uh, – skeptical and certainly that there are different camps of the, or there are your early adopters and people who are like, yes, vaccinate me. And a lot of those of course are, are what we've come to call frontline providers because they certainly have been directly in harm's way for uh, at least the last year and are relieved to have that option. But um, people who are sort of waiting to see, you know, do people who get the vaccine have incredible reactions and what should I expect? And then um, just people who, um, <sighs> are anti-vaxxers, certainly. But then um, in this particular story, they were focusing on the power of individual interactions in terms of educating people about the um, the imperative of the vaccine. And that um, in particular, there's this one uh, Jamaican community that is actually, there's quite a bit of lure around the vaccine. And that um, the idea, the, the messaging in the community right now is that taking the vaccine will sort of bring on the end of the world. And this public health nurse was talking about how you know, a public education campaign is is probably not going to be as effective as peer-to-peer education. And I think that's probably true for all of our communities, that those of us who have been vaccinated can share with people who are a little bit wary. Here's what the experience was like. Here's how the vaccine affected me. Here's why I chose to get it. Um, and I'm, I'm also hearing from providers, um, you know, I'm in the massage world as well as the broader healthcare world, but massage therapists who, depending on what state they're in, are being told that they they can get the vaccine right now. And if they're in private practice, or if they feel a sense that they're not in a particularly, quote, dangerous practice environment, feeling the this ethical conundrum of like, should I be getting the vaccine when other people aren't getting it? And, um, you know, hopefully by summer, 
everyone in America will have the vaccine. So if you get it this week and someone else gets it three weeks from now, I mean, if you could actually say, I don't want this, I'm going to give it to somebody who's 75 or who has a health condition or whatever, you know, I, I might say, yeah, you know, maybe you should wait. But if you don't get it, someone else will get it. And in the end, we all need to get it. So, um, you know, I think every state is going to decide how they're going to administer it. I don't know how it's working in Canada, but, it, um, you know, the states have pretty much been given free reign to design their own distribution programs and how they decide which communities get it first. Pretty much the same here. Um, you know, I think a similar sort of process. Each of the provinces have their own um, Ministry of Health, so they are the ones who can decide what their rollout is. Um, sort of who gets it first and then down the line. So every province has its own system for doing that. I think probably a similar sort of thing to what's happening in the U.S. where frontline workers are you know, at the front of the line for the vaccine, as they should be. Um, and then it kind of goes from there. And, you know, we're seeing the same thing here in Canada as well as you're seeing in the U.S. where there are a number of people who are leery about it, suspicious about it for a number of reasons. Uh, there was another anti-mask rally here in our small community uh, that I think attracted probably close to 100 people. I'm not sure how many it was this time. They actually got ticketed. Um, the organizer got ticketed um, for that because... Wow. Uh, the people are not supposed to be gathering in large groups in BC right now because our numbers are up. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing similar sort of things here as well. And, and certainly we're seeing similar here in Canada where uh, particularly in communities, people of color are, are we surprised that they have mistrust yeah, of, of governmental agencies, including healthcare agencies. I'm certainly not surprised because of the inequity um, and just the, the racism that is yeah. rampant, um, you know, here in Canada as well. Um, you know, make, make no, I, I certainly don't live under any illusion that what we saw happen in the U.S. last week couldn't happen here. I know it very well could happen here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, it, the conversation of equity around vaccination, I, I hope will continue to stay live and not just the conversation, but action in that area. Because, I, you know, even as we talk about, quote, frontline providers, we're thinking of healthcare providers, right? We're not thinking of the Amazon delivery drivers and the people who work in restaurants and the people that we have sort of grocery stores forced, forced into working because we're not willing to make those sacrifices and you know, really don't consider those people frontline providers. But many of them have become sick in, you know, propping up the, the lifestyle of convenience that we've created for ourselves. For sure. and, um, we've really got to look at that. And then certainly globally, I think there are entire countries that will be very slow to get the vaccine and areas of countries that, um, you know, just the, it was sort of a land grab when the vaccine doses were available and the richest nations got them. And that continues to be how things happen. So um, we have a lot of work to do as individual countries and as a, a planet of citizens. Perfectly timed, actually, to uh, to have our guest join us today. We are joined by uh, Devana Willis, who's joining us from sunny, uh, but a bit chilly today, we're told, uh, Arizona. Uh, Devana's been in the health and wellness industry for about 20 years and uh, in various capacities and uh, has a master's in arts from Columbia and a BA from Xavier University and um, lots of lived experience that brings incredible value to what she does. So um, thanks for joining us, Devana. 
Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on the podcast this morning. It's our pleasure. We, um, we're so excited to learn about you and to learn about what you've learned in, uh, in your community. So tell us some things. What are you, uh, what are you up to, Devana? What, what does your practice look like right now? And then, and then we'll talk a bit about the Facebook group you created and, and what we can learn from you and your colleagues. Sure, absolutely. So um, first, I have two practices. One is seeing, you know, everyday people, my clients that I see regularly. Uh, my business is called Blue Skies Massage and Wellness Center. Because of my background in sports medicine and physical therapy, I actually um, collaborate both of the sports medicine side, doing more physical therapy, total body, corrective therapy as well as medical massage therapy in order for my clients to get the overall health and wellness, um, the overall health and wellness for their needs and their body. And then um, within a year ago, I actually started 419 Education and Training, which is my CEU program, as well as small business coaching based off of all of my experience, whether, you know, in private practice, as well as in the sports medicine field, I felt it was time for me to give back to the therapist and expand on their knowledge and their education, because they're needed. And, you know, I'm only one person, and I can't help everyone. So why not educate the therapist so they can help the clients that need our services as well? Awesome. Yeah, a lot. A lot of us went online last year, and <laughs> right. I, I really appreciate your perspective too. That you know, one of the reasons so many of us teach is because we know we can't we can't throw every starfish back. So the more people we empower to be able to be of service to our fellow humans, the better. A hundred percent. So one of the main reasons we invited you to join us today, Devana, is because you, um, sometime last year, you created a Facebook group um, and it's uh, it's continued to grow. And uh, I'd love for you to tell us about what is the group? Why did you start it? And um, what have you learned so far? And what have you learned that we can also learn from? Sure. So... Last year, in the midst of all what was going on here in the States with the George Floyd case, with Tiana Taylor, um, there was a outcry of representation for Black Lives Mattering. Not necessarily the, it was more of a movement, not necessarily just the group itself. And with that said, there was a growth of individuals looking for Black-owned businesses, and um, I was also looking, I already started shopping more Black-owned businesses, but I was looking for a group because I'm already part of quite a few Facebook groups, but I was also looking for some representation of massage therapists, Black massage therapists, and I didn't see that many. For many years where I was located and working in Gilbert, Arizona, um, at one point, I was told that I was known as the Black Massage Therapist, right? <laughs> so obviously, it's not that many of us. And in the East Valley, where I where I am in Phoenix, it's, you know, the Black population is not as vast as it is in Phoenix or more on the West Valley of Phoenix. So 
I started exploring and looking on Facebook and looking up groups and I didn't find any. So I prayed about it because I was like, I know this is going to be another undertaking. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, you know what? I think it's time for me to start one. And I did. And basically I kind of recruited from some of the groups that I was already in. I was like searching to see if there was any, and I said, please share just like how you would tell a client um, to refer you any, um, any of their friends or family. I pretty much asked them to, if they know any other black massage therapists, whether, you know, African-American or black American or Caribbean or African, you know, they're black massage therapists at this point. And so slowly but surely we started to grow. So that was like end of August, beginning of September. So now, right now we're January, I think today's the 12th. So we have over 300 therapists in the group and we're slowly growing every day. So um, at this point, I'm very, I'm very particular who could join the group. I do vet them out. You do have just ordinary citizens who wants to join a group because they're like, wow, there's a black massage therapist group. I do allow them if they are looking specifically to hire a therapist or they're looking specifically for a black therapist that they could put their requests in and that I usually posted and match the person up with whoever responded to the post. And so, yeah. So in a group, we have great conversation. It's, I have it private for a reason because I want them to feel as if they can talk about whatever topics they want to discuss. If it's on, you know, client, you know, asking specific questions, client related, or if they're going through any issues at their job because of their race or their sex, or, you know, recently we've had the discussions like you guys were just discussing on the vaccines. And I did pose that question and it it was quite interesting. It was a long thread, you know, some were for it and a lot was against it. And it was because of what is well known in at least our history in regards to what occurred with vaccinations, you know, for amongst black people and our ancestors. So yeah, so it's been it's been a it's been a great ride so far and I've enjoyed meeting a ton of people across our country. I haven't had anybody yet Kathy in, in Canada. Um but you know, we have we have it's national in the states right now. Well, I'll have to do something about that. I'll have to okay. get that. And there you go. There yeah. you go. Please, please let them know that there is a group for them that they can feel and be a part of. And I, I want to say too that you know, as we get into more about kind of the conversations you all been having in your group, that um, you know, I recently uh, we got some feedback. I, I wrote in my column uh, in Massage and Bodywork magazine last month. Um, it was about equity in massage therapy, and I think it's really easy to. Um, and we learned this when we received some feedback that if you look around you, and it and it either looks diverse to your perspective or, or the people that you see in your practice don't have any problem paying, for instance, you don't necessarily see a problem. And I think that 
um, the the disproportionate representation of black providers in the massage profession is is one such place that you know it is a very white industry um most recent estimates which we can only make by sort of guessing based on some sort of data collected by the bureau of labor statistics is like eight percent possibly um and if we consider that 15 percent of uh 15 percent of the u.s population is african-american that means we've got some work to do if we want a sort of equal representation. I mean, certainly we have a lot more women in massage too. So maybe we need to work on bringing some more men into the profession, but um, there, there is a disproportionate representation. And when we talk about, I think those of us who have read a lot, know a lot, lived um, through the, the things that have created mistrust uh, think everybody sort of knows, but I think even even African-American people who are maybe in their 20s or 30s at this point, they sort of hear Tuskegee and they know that was bad, but they don't know exactly what happened and that, you know, people weren't even told they were in a study and the study, quote unquote, went on for 40 some years and people were allowed to, were in fact, healthcare providers watched their syphilis progress and kept the information from them that there was a vaccine available, that there was treatment available and that, you know, forced sterilization. And again, sterilization without consent was happening even until the mid eighties and still in small pockets is happening. And that it really is a well-founded mistrust of the healthcare system. Um, And I'm not as familiar with the Canadian uh, situation, but I know that, um, you know, indigenous peoples in Canada and, and African people in Canada have experienced similar marginalization and just sort of being treated as non-human. And that is, you know, we're living that legacy right now. Um, and that is something that is going to take a lot of work to, to undo. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's systematic, right? So it's systemic and we're, we don't, (laughs) we were taught this, but we weren't taught this, right? So we, a lot of us weren't taught this in school. This wasn't something that was passed on to us from education, from school. This yeah. is passed on based off what goes on in your home and when you're having these type of discussions. And so it's passed down generation to generation. It's, it's really going on and we just have to know what happened in the past and how it's going to affect us in the future. And to build that trust in our government and in our healthcare system. Absolutely. Well, and I remember from a conversation that you and I had, Devana, back um, sometime late last year, where you were talking about what it's been like for you to practice where you live. And that one of the things that really stuck with me um, was that you had talked about not having a photo of yourself on your website. Um, and that you had had clients sort of show up and you could see them like their faces were like, oh, you're black. Absolutely. I I didn't know that. And that you had intentionally not put your photo on your website because you didn't want that to be a deterrent. But that also puts you in this uncomfortable position where, you know, racism is right there in your face. And I I just, I, I think these are the kinds of things that white providers don't think about. Right. And, yeah. Because it's more of a show and prove, right? Yeah. I can show you, you know, better 
then I can tell you. So you may see my, okay, so for instance, yes, I had my bio up. I had my education as you pretty much read up. So I was like, wow, she's very educated. She knows, you know, what she's talking about. She's had all these years in physical therapy. So obviously I want to go to her because I do have this sports related injury or whatever the case may be. Right. So, but when you show up and you see someone who you didn't expect to see, Absolutely. And it's unfortunately for many years I did it and not, and I'm not the only one, you know, speaking about this, but yeah, you get like, oh, okay. And so you still bring them in. You still go over their health history. You still, you know, inform them, you know, what you're going to accomplish during a session. And then you just let your technique speak for itself. And do they rebook? Majority of them did. And then some didn't. Right. Because they can't get over the uncomfortable factor of if you haven't been what I was just having a conversation with one of my clients and, you know, majority of my clients are white. So let me just put that out there. So I do freely have these conversations. Most of my clients has been with me for over their for over four to five years. The newer ones, they come regularly. So they're hitting one in two years with me. So I, you know, we have these type of conversations. And one of the interesting things is if you're coming from a location such as Utah, right? So we have a lot of people who come down from Utah to Arizona. If you're coming from a place uh, such as Utah that has maybe zero representation of Black people, whether it's African-American, Africans, or, you know, Caribbean, you do not know how to interact with such because you had no, <laughs> no idea because you never no exposure to it, right? Yeah. And so then you just come with those pre-existing notions or what the media puts out towards you, you know, in your face on TV when you've seen, you know, all of these, you know, housewives or some of these reality shows that make you think like all black women fight if you said something crazy to them, right? Or they throw liquor in your face or whatever the case may be, which is true, which is true. I've had these conversations and it's like, no, if I don't like you, I'm not talking to you and you're not in my circle anymore. And period, like I have no time to get in a fight. I'm grown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why, do, why do we have these? What are we doing? And yeah. so for me, as I got older, too, because I used to watch some of those shows, I'm gonna be honest, you know, it was it was like, you know, one of those guilty pleasures. But then you're like, oh, no, as you get more mature, you see how you're being portrayed, especially me living here in Arizona. Now, I'm originally from New York, um, the Bronx, really Bronx, New York. New and York. so when you see there. It's, it's a melting pot, right? So obviously you see all sorts of cultures and I was very comfortable. I was just telling my, um, my spouse the other day that, no, I don't remember having any type of blatant racism in my face living in New York City. Yeah. I really didn't. Yeah. It wasn't really I, I, until we moved out here to Arizona that I saw it. And even my mom, we had the same conversation with my mom. My mom was born and raised in New York City, in Harlem, and and she's 73 years old, right? And she's honestly, she's like, was there some? Yes. But did she see it often? No, right? And it's just because of what it was then. New York is a different monster now, 
So that's not the same case now because <laughs> right. of the gentrification that happened. And that's a whole different topic, right? Yeah. So, and a lot of Blacks moved out of New York City because, um, let's just let's just say it, they can't afford it, right? They've right. been bought, a lot of the family and generations are been bought out of those brownstones in Harlem and all sorts of things. So, but it wasn't really until I moved out here. So when I have these conversations with my clients, at one client, she she told me, she was like, she had to leave Utah because she was just like, I didn't like that I was just seeing me all the time. <laughs> she was she was looking for something different, right? And she was looking for more cultural diversity. So it's just, it's whether you're open to it and you're willing to learn and try something new, or you just take what you see on the media and what the media portrays a culture to be, to be what that is it. Yeah. When it, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's such an interesting consideration around, you know, I think that's a really important point when there's exposure to differences, it seems less mm -hmm. threatening. You know, you get to know the person as the person there and they're a person and they're a good person, or perhaps a person over there is, is not as a, a decent person, but you just get to know people as people. Then you go to someplace like Arizona where there's very little representation and that individual immediately becomes fearful, you know, that xenophobic thing. It's like what happens in the brain, you know, because of that lack of exposure of people with different skin tones. I'll give you another example. I can go on for days about these, but I'll give you another example. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> I went to a church service with my mom. So my mom's been going to church forever. So she was looking for like the same denomination as the church she was going to back in New York. She lives here now. And um, so she's like, you want to come? And I'm like, I guess. So I attended the church service with her. So it's predominantly, it's all white. Let's just say it's, it's all white congregation. And I was sitting next to a little girl. She probably was no older than eight or nine years old. And you guys, she was just staring at me, just like in awe. Like, and I smiled and I said, hi, how are you? And she was just staring because she's never, I know that stare, she's never seen a black person in her life. Uh huh. And it was like, wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so can you imagine? But at least she's eight or nine and now she saw her first black person in real life, right? So but right. let's think about the adults <laughs> that haven't really? ever in their lives. So then they have more information or maybe, you know, negative information about what they think that a black person may be. And yeah. so at least now she has a little bit of a positive outlook yeah. just from that one interaction right yeah wow mm -hmm. <clears throat> and and uh, yeah I, I, such an interesting um perspective you have a child who's looking at someone with curiosity and like wonder and then that person is exposed to what we see happening in much of media um and perhaps what adults are saying around them. And that totally shifts to something that's completely different as they age. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it, it, it doesn't go without saying that 
if you are someone in Devana's position, you know, you, uh, to some degree you've spent your life or at least your life in Arizona getting the look or a type of stare. And it would have been really easy for you to almost without even knowing it kind of stare back at this girl, but you decided to smile at her and say hi. And I, I feel like it's just, there's such a, there's so much time that we spend when somebody stares at you, you stare back. Like that's sort of this human thing that we do. Like, Oh, what are you looking at? And it's like, you know, you can break this wall that you don't even know is there by just being like, hi. And they go, Oh crap. You're a person. Right. Right. Sorry. For a minute there, I thought you were something else. Right. I thought you was a statue. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you said that um, you were talking about vetting people coming into the group and you said that sometimes um, employers are interested in hiring black MTs and I, uh, it raised so many questions and and red flags for me because I I think about like sort of, I mean, you can't, you can't protect 300 people, but um, you know, you've made your space private. People are business owners are sort of whether or not they're interested in in equity and ending racism, they they know the optics are bad if they are in a community where there are black people who might be consumers, but they don't have a black provider. And so now they're like, oh, we got to get somebody black on our staff. And, you know, everything that is talked about in sort of diversity and inclusion and and that it sounds like a, an opportunity ripe for tokenism and sort of what, what if anything can you, or do you do to kind of say like, so like, don't be coming in here and picking people so that you can say you have a black person. Like what, what kind of things do you have in place to actually, the reason you actually want a black person on your staff is so that the voice of the lived black experience can be part of your staff. And so don't invite this person in right. to be acculturated into your whiteness, which by the way, has already happened. <laughs> Right. Funny, um, funny you say that. So honestly, Cal, it hasn't actually been employers. It's been other black individuals. Oh, so, okay. right. Right. Like people so it hasn't really been doctor. employers. Exactly. Um, okay. There are African-American employers in the group that's posted. Okay. But a non, but a non Black person, a white employer has not yet okay. <laughs> asked. Okay. So that makes it interesting. So yeah, now, when that now, right. So when that happens, I will say, you know, because I see, you know, based on reading some of the things that people post that, yeah, they, they, they need to be educated. So, but yes, we haven't had that yet. So it's actually an individual looking or the black employers that have businesses, they actually post their own. So one of the things that we had sort of asked um, was if you would be willing to, to pose a handful of questions to the community and you were like, well, a bunch of these we've already talked about, um, but here's a couple others. And I'm curious if you, um, would you be willing to share sort of some of what um, some of w- the questions you posed and, and what kind of responses you got. I mean, I really, we can't, we can't learn enough from you and from your direct experience and the, and the experience of the people in your group about how to just stop messing it up. Right. Right. One of the biggest questions I asked, and this was towards the beginning of the group and it was, it's for the black males. Right. So I wanted to know how are they treated in the industry? period. Yeah. Right. So if you look at it, they have 
two negatives. Right. Oh my gosh. A male and then you're a black. And I found it interesting in seeing some of the the answers. It was based on location. So some of the East Coast and you know Atlanta, Florida, um, South the Southern states. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, it's been fine. More people are open to it. You know, I'm educating. But I found more the Midwest and the West Coast. Maybe one or two was like, oh yeah, it's been fine. But have more issues in it's been harder for them and they've blatantly seen racism and people blatantly like, I don't want that black guy working on me. Like, so they, that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been stated. Right. And so as you shocked about it, I'm not. No, I know. Right. Because people's like, no, I don't want that person. And so it's just been, it's just been interesting. It's still hard. You know, there's still women that don't want a man to touch them. There's still men that don't want a man to touch them. But more of the guys, you know, it, it's a mix. It's a mixed batch. We have some that do more energy work and love life and love love. He was like, "Oh, I don't see color. Whoever comes to me," and we were like, "Yeah, that's great." But in reality, that doesn't happen. Right. It doesn't happen. Right. And then you see, you had a guy who was like, listen, I just had somebody the other day say they didn't want me to work on them blatantly in front of my face when I was about to come get them. Right. So we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. I I, I just want to pause because I like you're telling this story and like, I'm shocked, not shocked. You're definitely not shocked. Um, Kathy's sort of like, just like resigned, you know, in her <laughs> facial expression. But I, I just want our listeners, particularly our non-white listeners, or our white listeners to imagine that when you go to work, let's say you're working at a spa where they say, here are the people you're going to see today, that every time you walk toward a new client, they might reject you before you even like say hi, that as you walk into work today, you go, oh, like, I hope everybody I'm seeing today has already seen me. So I don't have to deal with this. And like every day you're wondering how many people are going to be like, mm, or, or they won't say, I don't want to work with you, but you'll spend an uncomfortable hour knowing that they wish they had a white provider. Mm. And like, this is the kind of thing that I feel like we just really have to understand. Like, it's not just, oh, some people are jerks. No, this is like a slow eroding of your sense of like, do I want to leave the house today? It just, fe- I, I just can't. I, uh, yeah. So, so what, what other, um, what other stuff comes up in the community that like are things that we can be so much more aware of? Yes, I'm looking at some of the questions. Some said um, one of the questions was, besides the group, have you experienced support in the massage community as a black therapist? If so, how? Some felt that it was a loaded question, right? Because it was like, hmm, 
I want to say yes, but sometimes I feel like it's a no. So for instance, some people did feel like they did have the support of their teachers and their instructors from when they, you know, went to school and they can always go back and maybe ask questions or felt comfortable enough, but they did find it harder uh, once they are in the field to feel that sense of longing and, 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 and being a sense of one with the group. of colleagues. Mm -hmm. There's some that actually felt that if you partnered yourself with other Black providers or uh, maybe even Hispanics and someone who looks similar to you, that they felt a little bit more welcoming. But then there's also in our community, the crab crab in the um, barrel mentality. So I'm not I'm not going to show you how I made it. Oh, you have to figure yeah. that out on your own. Uh huh. Interesting. So we we have that we have that also going on in our own community, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and so that's not my mentality, obviously. But there there is some, or I don't want to tell you the secret. <laughs> yeah. I tell you the secret because if I tell you the secret, then you're gonna try to yeah, take from me, especially if we're in the same area. Uh, right. Especially yeah. if we're in the same area. So we've had that too. But um, it's it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. For the most part, this has been one of the biggest support groups that they've had. But, you know, I'm happy that some felt more comfortable in actually reaching out to old mentors and, and teachers from their schools. Yeah. To feel supported. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to digest, right? It is a lot to digest. And I, I, I feel like, you know, I wonder, you know, we've talked about um, sort of what do you what do you do? And in our in our Massage Therapy Without Borders podcast, we had a, a great guest who, you know, she said, like, if you're not in a community with a lot of people of color, like, don't just go out and get yourself a person of color. Like, that's not, you know, you, you can still do advocacy in your community um, that doesn't involve uh, you know, tokenism. Um, but I think we also just think there aren't any people of color around. Like if we live in a sort of more white community or if our clients are white, we think, well, if, if you know, black people wanted to get massage, they'd get massage. And it's like, eh, it's not really that no, simple. That's, it's not well, that simple because we're not <laughs> educated. Number one, that's not even, that's not even a career we're talked about in, right. was talked about in school. Let's start with that. Right. Yeah. So I kind of, my background is different. But that's not even a conversation that happens. Massage therapy, what? Yeah. Right? You don't know. I didn't even know about it. I didn't even yeah. know about it until I, I was majoring in athletic training at Xavier University. I was working with my athletes. We had a massage therapist. So we were doing regular rehab, physical therapy, sports medicine rehab. We had a massage therapist come in to provide sports massage. That was my first introduction. Yeah. I'm about 19, 20 years old at this point. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> right? And so once again, yes, we would show the techniques during our manual therapy, one of our classes, but to really meet a massage therapist and speak and have a massage therapist to speak to and introduce what the field is, that did not happen until I actually ran into her by accident in the training room. 
And that's when she expressed, because I was like, I've always been curious and I'm a logical person. If it makes sense to me, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to do this. She basically was like, you guys are doing a rehab, but what I do is help with the flexibility and breaking up the scar tissue when they have an injury. Perfect. I got it. Makes sense. I'm going to look into it once I'm finished school. Right. And so that was my introduction. So now let's speak down to, you know, like even in, in elementary school, you, all you hear is doctors, lawyers, teachers, firefighters, police officers, yeah, nurse, nurses. That's it. Right. That's it. Right. And now probably a little bit more engineers because now we have the apps and games and stuff like that. But that's about it. You don't hear about massage therapy. And then if you do hear about massage therapy, and once again, let's go back to the media, how it's portrayed, it's portrayed for the high elites. It's something yeah. that you have when you have money going to the spas. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Right. Remember back in the day for us, probably now they do have a newer one, but remember Dynasty? Oh, yeah. Right, right? (laughs) That's right. Exactly, right? And so, you know, it was just like, it was just like, oh, that's fantastic. Or you have some, you know, you know, you watch a commercial and you see they're on the beach and they're getting a massage, right? That's what it looked like. It doesn't look like something that's attainable that you can get for your health and your well-being. Yeah. It It was out of reach. It wasn't discussed. So now... As a community, also one of the things that we discuss is how can we reach back to our community to let them know that it is attainable. It is for your health. It is for your well-being. It doesn't have to cost, you know, $400 for an hour or $300. You don't have to go to a spa to get that, right? And so it's like re-educate. It's actually, no, reprogramming. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's reprogramming a whole mindset. And I think, well, and, and that's our collective shared yes. issue in the profession, yes. right? I mean, yes. I mean, I think, you know, like, like yourself, Devana, I didn't know anything about massage therapy. Um, it was uh, I happened to injured myself playing softball, and there was a massage therapist working at the facility where I was um, working out, and that was my first exposure. And I'm like, oh my god, that was amazing! I got to go do that. You know, so I think that's the case for many of us. As you say, you rarely see it at like the career day in school and certainly not back in the day when I went to high school back in the 70s, going way back here. Definitely nothing about massage therapy out there. So that is our shared collective experience that I think that all of us can work together to to inform. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and changing the, I mean, I was talking with another black provider a couple of weeks ago and she was saying, you know, in addition to just no examples in your community, there's also this cultural idea that sort of that that because massage is pampering and because it's become this thing of like, you know, oh, you're just going to relax, which, first of all, we can do a whole episode about how much different our world would be if we were all getting a relaxation massage on a regular basis. Um, but that you have to, in addition to getting over the logistical and community hurdles of lack of access to other providers, you have to get over this cultural idea of like, I'm worth this. I deserve to get this kind of care. And so there are lots of obvious and not so obvious hurdles that certainly the way we portray what massage therapy is and does could at least lessen some of those hurdles. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think people are slowly 
they're slowly learning, but that's our, that's all of our jobs, right? Is to educate yeah. them. Yeah. You know, that's what I do every day. Yeah. One so, of the things I hear all the time from my clients, from my regular clients, not necessarily the students is just like, wow, I wish I would have known this, you know, a couple of months ago, a couple of years ago, right? After they tried this, that, surgeries, chiropractic, you know, whatever they did and didn't, they didn't get the results they were looking for, you know? So it's important to know. Yeah, definitely. So do you, can you, um, I mean, obviously there's the benefit of community, but sort of what are your hopes for the group? Um, and what, um, what have you already seen that, gives you hope about this gathering of people that you've collected on Facebook? The networking has been amazing and the friendships that starting to develop is great. And, and just me, you know, so for instance, I'm going to Florida, well, I'm going to Florida and I think it's, wow, it's next week already to teach um, a lymphatic drainage class. And some of my, some of my colleagues that I've met in the group are going to attend. They have already registered. Would that have happened prior to me starting the group? Probably not. And so we're looking forward to like hanging out and meeting each other and, you know, and so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I, you know, I met, Terrence, which is another, he's a, he's a um, black provider, continued education provider as well. And we've became friends over the last couple of months and we teach totally opposite, you know, techniques. So he's more the spa side and I'm on the medical side, but we complement each other. And so he can share his material and, and we support each other. And so that's been fun. So I think the friendships and the relationships, I, I see how people interact with each other through the thread and, you know, we're laughing and, you know, we have, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. Like, I don't know if you guys know about this whole new app called Clubhouse. This is a whole new app and how you can meet different people and represent mostly for your businesses or your industry. And so you have other, you know, people like, oh, if you want to join here, um, look for me here and, you know, I can let you in because I guess it's by invite only. So people are opening themselves to invite others that they might not know per se, but because we have this camaraderie in the group, they're like, listen, just find me and I'll, I'll let you in so you can be a part of this, this software. So it's, it's good. I'm excited. I want it to continue to grow. My hope is one day we can actually have a, a conference, right? You know, yeah. have the AMTA and, you know, NCBTMB has conferences and, the world massage. I, I would love to have a conference. That would be great if we can get that organized. Yeah. So you never know. It's, it's still it's still in the infancy stages, right? And so I asked for feedback from you know some of the other therapists, and and I'm I'm going to probably invite. I have one other moderator to help me because I can't vet you know vet everything, and you know I. Have, other things going on. So probably having, you know, an additional moderator I'm seeing, I look for those who's more active in it and give great feedback and advice. Yeah. Right. It's a good idea. (laughs) Kind of help me out with the group and stuff. Right. 
because as it grows, I'm not going to be able to manage everything. I do consistently have days, you know, every day I have a specific topic. So like, for instance, um, Mondays are motivation, motivational Mondays, you know, having a quote from, you know, someone historically in the black community, I'll have is tip Tuesday or therapist Tuesday. You know, we talk about a topic like this today is like, what technique do you use for a headache? Mm -hmm. And, um, Wednesdays I typically post whether it's any type of classes or something that I'm giving. I usually post that. And then obviously people are posting during this time too. So I have days that I post, but if someone has a question, right, they can post their questions. It doesn't matter if I post it or not. Um, Thursdays, it becomes testimonial Thursdays or thankful Thursdays or whatever, something encouraging so they can actually feel good, you know, in spite of what's going on in the world, you still have clients who love you and appreciate you. You know, you still thankful for your family and, and what you do and so forth like that. And then Fridays, I have Black Fridays, which is more of an empowerment, you know, what inventions that, you know, couple of weeks ago, there was a um, black woman scientist who is producing the cure for cancer and um, which was amazing. And so that was, that was an article, what she's doing. And actually one of the therapists is is a family member of hers. Who would have (laughs) known? Nice. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then Saturdays we have a free for all, and then Sundays we have fun Sundays. So yeah, so we I try to keep it fun and light, and um, and then we have great conversations in between, you know, the topics I post and other topics people also post. Awesome, yeah. I think the the more we can we can all educate each other about the existence of things like this, and just to to think about coming together to build community and to ask questions and have real conversations. Cause I mean, certainly we have an issue in the massage profession, but as this is interdisciplinary, we see this in other disciplines as well. And just that there are certain practices that just, there's no representation. There's no sort of sense growing up as a kid that, you know, you would be this type of provider or that, you know, this might be a career path for you. And so I think we can all learn across the board about ways to improve that access and just to to mentor each other and, and make space for all of us to be serving each other. And I just have one ask or a few asks, Please. you know, because I think you guys posed this question in the beginning. What can, you know, white providers or employers do for um, black therapists or African-American therapists or so forth? Basically treat, <laughs> treat us as a person. That might sound so simple, but it's the truth, right? <laughs> treat us as a person. Treat, um, understand if there is a disparity going on in your place of employment. Um, please educate your clients on such, right? You know, having a newsletter saying, you know, we have great therapists with from different backgrounds and techniques. Because sometimes that's what it needs to be stated. Yep. So the therapist can feel supported yeah. from their employer. Yeah. And I think that would be great. As as providers and as colleagues, I would just say speak to them. Get to know, get to actually know a therapist, a black therapist. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Try to get a couple of friends, get educated because we're all different too. Yeah. Turns out, (laughs) you know, we're all different. It's funny because I remember we posted something about foods or what you guys eat or whatever. And so, you know, my brothers and sisters on the West Coast were having some <laughs> some uh, flavors or recipes I've never heard of uh-huh. versus what's on the East Coast and what we, you know, so it's different. Yep. It's people. different. We're people, right? Yeah. But get to know us as an individual and don't always clump us up as a group and not get to understand what's going on. Yeah. Does that make sense? That I think is the singular most important takeaway of these conversations that we're having is that we are all human, Mm -hmm. have a conversation and get to know each other and then make a decision around, I like that person, Eh, that person's not for me, but you know, open the door to have a conversation with the other human being that's standing in front of you. Yeah. And don't, and don't just say, of course you're a human. I don't, I think of all people as human. That is not helpful. (laughs) Um, if if that was true, we wouldn't be here. (laughs) So yeah. Awesome. Well, we will look forward to doing what we can do to, uh, inform and educate and, um, and just partner with our, our colleagues. And, um, and thank you so much for your time and joining us today, Devana, and just for what you're doing in the profession and certainly for, uh, our fellow, uh, providers who are also people of color and we want to, we want to be more connected and to really welcome you more fully into the profession. So thank you for having me today. And I really enjoyed our conversation and I look for us to continue to partner with each other and grow. Ditto. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of interdisciplinary, the heal well healthcare podcast. Uh, go give us some likes on the Apple Podcasts and all the places that you get your podcasts. Join, subscribe, stay tuned. We've got all kinds of uncomfortable conversations coming up this season. So we thank you for making the leap. And as always, thanks, Kathy Ryan, for uh, being my fearless co-host. My pleasure, my friend. And we'll see you guys next week. Interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. You can send us feedback at info at healwell.org. That's info at healwell.org. New episodes will be posted weekly via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our Facebook page. Thank you.